gaslighting is one of their biggest tactics and gaslighting is intended to make you feel like you're crazy. The more you have endured that, the more you question and doubt your own reality. When things are real, you've already got that seed planted that there's something that's not right. Those people that are, I think I'm crazy. Am I making this up? That's because they've been poisoned by the influence of the narcissist that everything they do is wrong and they don't have any confidence in themselves. So the, I feel crazy is common. I don't think I've ever had anyone who doesn't feel that way. You're listening to the Thriving in Chaos Project with Paulette Rigo, mediator, divorce coach, author, and founder of Better Divorce Academy. She invites you to grab a favorite beverage, find a cozy seat, soothe your soul, and take a listen. The podcast was inspired by our courageous journeys, connecting with others, having meaningful conversations, and impact through sharing our stories. In each episode, Paulette is joined by some of the most compelling experts in all things divorce and transformation. Prepare through the toughest chapters, reveal our hardships, celebrate our lessons learned, and see the future clearly. Leave feeling empowered to approach life and maintain our dignity no matter what. It's time to thrive in the chaos. Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project because, well, we all have to thrive through the chaos, right? And if you're new to the podcast, well, welcome. After three years of finding my roots again of wanting to be Jane Pauley and majoring in journalism in college, this podcast really makes me feel connected to that and sharing my love for having wonderful interviews with sparkling examples of what it means to really live your best life, regardless of what you go through. So today I am very uh, overwhelmedly, is that a word? It is now excited to introduce you to the author of one of my favorite new books, Divorcing Your Narcissist by Tracy Malone. So Tracy is here with me today. We're going to jump into a juicy interview. She is the author of this phenomenal book and the founder of the Narcissist Abuse support.com group. Welcome Tracy Malone to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Paulette. I stumbled upon your work through, I don't know, you know, just, I don't even know. I really truly mean that. And ever since I found your book, it is now required reading for all of the clients and people I work with at Better Divorce Academy. It is such a concise, snapshot of everything you possibly need to know or were afraid to know uh, in a good way. I mean that um, about this. And you really have done a service to so many people that may not need to go through the experience you went through and may not need to go through the experience that I went through. But regardless, even if you get something out of three pages of this book, trust me, it is the book you need to read. And besides my book, Better Divorce Blueprint, you know, I talk about it a teeny, teeny, weeny bit in my book at the very beginning, because it's really important to know what you're up against and how combative is your spouse. And if they're not, well, you probably might need to stay married. But if they're not going to be very cooperative, you really do need this. So with 
No further introduction. Uh, Tracy, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here. You are the famous, like, long haul, if you would call it, divorced person. And I'm so honored to be a recommended book on your reading list. So thank you. Pleasure. Well, you know, it's nothing I ever signed up for. I don't think anybody at the age of 17, when you fall in love and, you know, think this is, is going to be great, that you're going to go through a, a really long, arduous experience. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be that way. I always say to anyone who comes to me, and it's one of the reasons I do the work I do is to make it more amicable and more uncontested, more palatable, less expensive, shorter. But sometimes when you're up against somebody that isn't transparent and likes to you know keep secrets and has tactics and tools in their little toolbox and you don't even know what the tools are or that they have a toolbox it can be really difficult so i'd love to start out with a little bit about you know if you can take us through a of a snapshot of your own experience what that was like and how you got through it to be able to be a thriver and um come out the other side how did you do it um, I'm not sure because I, at the time, did not have the, the terminology. I did not know what I was dealing with. I was blindsided at every turn. Um, it should have been a very simple divorce. No house already sold, not his kid, you know, money in escrow at the lawyer's office, split it, give me some alimony, have a nice day. I mean, it should have been that. Mm. And it was torturous. It was seven trials. It was three times more than my little $25,000 in escrow. I mean, it was four times more because it was $100,000 to fight for 25 and just battle after battle, false allegation after allegation. And I was just like, I, I, I lost four sizes of clothing. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was definitely PTSD. I mean, I was walking into walls and depressed and, you know, I got through it with a therapist that didn't know anything about it, which was unfortunate. Um, but he was helping me emotionally, regardless of being able to identify who I was dealing with. But, um, yeah, it was just a battle and, you know, I had to get, I had no choice. I had to get through it. And, um, the more I, I got through, the more I learned that what I was going through wasn't normal. <laughs> and I started a support group for myself. I'm like, I need people. And I, I started a support group and um, that's about seven years ago. And all those girls were having dinner next week. So I'm kind of excited. But um, yeah, the more I learned, the more I saw, the more I kept on studying narcissistic abuse and, and, you know, reading one more book and how about them at work and this and that. And, you know, my support group now has 1500 people in it that's live, but now I have 15,000 in my Facebook group. So it just kept going up and I'm like, oh my God, there's so many people that need help. So I built my website and started building resources and, you know, they say, if you build it, they will come. And eventually they did. And it was, it has on my career. I've officially given up my 26 year career for changing careers and life path here. And I've never been happier. Mm -hmm. I love it. If you take your story and you're able to create a place that feels safe and sacred where you can start your own healing, but yet 
also allow other people to have a safe container and give them a voice where they can feel validated and heard and understood. It, it really does empower not only you, but them. And now you've built a community to help others get through it with a lot more grace and dignity. Um, I commend you and and there, there should be 30,000. Well, maybe not, we don't want that, but there probably are a lot more people out there. So take us back. You know, sometimes I get a question of what did I miss and what, what, what happened? And, you know, was, was there ever a time earlier in your relationship? Were there any little signs or red flags that maybe could have, if there's somebody listening that they need to look out for, or did this just come out of the blue? Were there anything that you missed early on to know that he really was not who he said he was? Um, you know, I would say that the signs were so he was passive aggressive. We never actually argued. Um, it was very stealth. Um, the cheating started almost immediately, but then was dismissed. Oh, that wasn't real. Uh, you know, the girl who said she loves me on my pop up, you know, messenger isn't who you think she is. She's just a friend that you've never heard of, right? Um, so there were signs like that all the way along. Um, I think that the biggest realization was the fact that the only person in his life, his entire world that he was afraid of was his mother. Mm -hmm. And he would say, you do not want to cross my mother. Mm -hmm. And if, if anybody does watch out, right? So when the divorce happened, it was really run by the mother. And, um, you know, just a very dangerous combination. Um, and, and it was scary. I should have paid more attention to his um, attachment to her and dependence mm -hmm. on her. Because, at, you know, 45 years old, your mommy and daddy don't have to come to court with you every time. <laughs> um, but they did. And they lied for him. And they you just created such cat, you know, chaos. And, you um, you know, knowing somebody that is charming and generous seemed like that's not an abusive person. They're so kind to me when they're kind. He was, mm -hmm. he was grandiose in every sense of the world. They would just buy me like 15 pairs of shoes while I was going to try on one. The other 15 would have already been bought at the counter. And here you go. Well, that's controlling too. But I was like, oh, how sweet. I don't need 15 pairs of shoes, right? It was just a way to start to rope me into this control. So obviously any sign of control, even if it looks like they're being nice and so consider it, but that was control. And I, I didn't interpret it that way. Yeah. Control that word. I hear a lot, that feeling of being out of control or not feeling like you have control of your own anything, your finances, your decision-making ability, uh, everything just feels like you're treading water and you're not able to move through that ambiguity or confusion and not understanding why do I not feel like I have the ability to make decisions or be in control of my own life. It, it's incredibly uh, disheartening and confusing. Mm -hmm. One word I hear a lot too is I feel like I'm crazy. Like I, I feel like maybe it's me. Like, am I making it up? Am I being too sensitive? Maybe I'm just overreacting and this sense of really feeling, um, gosh, um, just 
completely insane. And, and I read, you, you described that so beautifully of that feeling of just what the blank is happening to me. So did, do you, do you, um, do you find that that's a recurring theme with people that go through narcissist abuse? Of course, because gaslighting is one of their biggest tactics and gaslighting is intended to make you feel like you're crazy, right? So the more you have endured that, the more you question and doubt your own reality. So when things are real, you've already got that seed planted that, you know, there's something that's not right. Once you get into the battle and those people that are, I, I think I'm crazy. Am I making this up? You know, that's because they've been like poisoned by the the influence of the narcissist that everything they do is wrong and this and that, and they don't have any confidence in themselves. So the, I feel crazy is such a common that I don't think I've ever had anyone who doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Um, In my book, uh, I list these deal breakers. I have 31 of them. And then I discuss briefly narcissistic abuse syndrome. I didn't really know that that was a real thing. I'm not sure when the, the, term was coined. Uh, But as soon as I started to feel uh, or read or or express some of it, it made me feel like, oh, like I'm not like that this is real, right? This is just a real tangible thing. Um, And it does really, when you list all of the um, uh, symptoms, I'm not sure if that's the correct word, but symptoms, right? Feelings of sadness and helplessness, hopelessness, hypervigilant feelings of fear and anxiety, sharp mood swings, heightened irritability, an overwhelming sense of shame or guilt. I mean, I could keep going. You know, as soon as I started to read those things, I was like, oh boy. So I digress a little bit to this recovery support group that you have created. Um, And now that it's not just in person, right? Well, the couple of good things about the pandemic, and that's been able to expand out of a necessity and be um, convenience, right? That we're able to uh, expand and help more people because we're not just doing it in our car, driving 15 miles or somewhere to a, a, a hall or a conference center or a restaurant or some sort of meeting place, but we're actually able to do it in a, a broader net um, how do you find these meetings um, go? Do you find that they come and they stay or it's an ongoing relationship yeah. building or is it like they run in, say, fix me and want to get the heck out? Like, paint me a picture. Um, I need to come, but I'm just curious. I want to learn more about it. Right. So I ended up at the beginning of COVID, not obviously being able to do them in person any longer. Those groups, I had one in the Denver area, one in the Boulder area. Sometimes we'd have 40 people in the room. And by the time you got through with introductions, the meeting was half over, right? Because everyone wanted to get their thing and, and, and you can't, you know, you can't move past that. It's sort of like, okay, and now you have five minutes and we're leaving. Bye-bye folks. I just felt like there were never the same people. I mean, yes, a core would always be there, but they weren't learning. They weren't healing. And I, I could not tolerate listening to the, you know, story, story, get stuck in the story. Right. They'll come back in four or five months later and they're still saying it. They haven't moved the dial. And so when I came online, I started to put all the lessons together that I'd been teaching for five years in person. Um, And now I have six week blocks with the same eight women. 
So mm-hmm. they come in and we started a core of anger and, and fear and boundaries and learning our own negative thought patterns, how to control our emotions. And we have free talk where this is what's happening this week. And I group coach, but we don't like go down the rabbit hole because we want to heal. And that even if they're in the, the thick of a divorce or thick of a relationship with one, they can start the building resilience to learn how come they're still triggered. How do they turn that off? How do they fix that? What's self-love? How do I learn about my inner child? Like these shame and guilt, how do I process this th- these things? And when they go through it, those six-week things, the first year, the group stayed for a year and they're still three years later doing it on their own every, every once a month they meet now. So, you know, some groups stay together for all four modules that I have um, and then go off on their own to, to be with each other. And then others are one time in and, you know, they get their fix quick and it's like, okay, but the ones who really heal are the ones that go, I don't know what an inner child is, but like, let's introduce myself to that person and move from the healing topics so that they can really get out of their own way with the, you know, the anger and the fear. There's so much fear in a divorce with a narcissist. The uncertainty of it is overwhelming. So, you know, teaching them the, the, the founding principles of emotional resilience they all like come out so much stronger and ultimately usually very good friends. I can imagine. It sounds like there's a core community, uh, a sisterhood, a brotherhood, a humanhood, if you will. Um, I say, are they all women? All women in the groups online now. Yes. Okay. So a sisterhood, we could say then for that, uh, the long haul, but yet there is um, a program, a, a course, a methodology where they can get that short, succinct um, curriculum where they're able to not get stuck in the story, but to move through it uh, at maybe at their own pace a little bit. It isn't like, hurry up. What do you mean? You didn't get done with that. You know, yet? Yeah, I'm sure there's some that progress faster than others, but at least they do have that core foundation in which to follow like a roadmap. Right. Absolutely. And if, if they have something where they have to miss a week, they're jonesing for it. They're just like, I need you girls. Oh my God. You know? <laughs> okay. It just becomes a lifeline. Right. Uh, for sure. Beautiful. Well, you know, my work is very different because I am in the trenches. You know, I, I always say I'd get divorced for you if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, they of course say, well, how much is that? <laughs> like whatever it is, I'll pay it. You know, like my well, body. It's not legal, but I would do it if I could, but I'm going to get divorced with you. So if I'm coaching them, I'm kind of doing it with them, not making their decisions for them, but, you know, holding their hand, guiding, cheerleading, quarterbacking, doulaing, Sherpaing, BFFing, uh, you know, hairdressering, you know, that's always the joke about who do they, who do they tell first, but um, 70% of divorce is filed by women and two years is the average amount of time that most women contemplate it if it's coming from them, right? And they're not the one that's blindsided with that. You want to what? Um, so that is very different experience, but when I'm mediating, you know, when I'm wearing that hat, um, I have been a study in human behavior naturally as a mediator. That's what mediators do. We are a a study of human behavior. And I, um, I know that, you know, mediation can be successful with, um, 
a high conflict narcissistic personality, but only with the right environment and preparation and support there to guide and be there with you. Uh, so make sure you don't just go into this blind anyone, you know, mediation is possible, but it, it, it has to be the right setting. And dare I say choreographed correctly. I used to be a dancer. So that word <laughs> makes sense to me. Um, but DIYing it is not possible. Don't even think about it. Collaborative law. Mm, I've not been a big fan with the high conflict people. It's very, very expensive and it will take a long time. And chances are somebody's going to pull out and you're going to have to start again. And now this is not legal advice, but just from my observation, it's going to be challenging. Tracy's nodding her head if this is audio. So and arbitration, well, it is a hundred percent success rate, but you know, it does take a uh, what's that word? Um, tra transparency. And so it's a little bit tricky. So it leaves you two options, right? You're either going to mediate or you're going to litigate. And depending on the attorney that you choose, and I love how you break down the different types of attorneys, you know, and which one you might want to use and which one you shouldn't use and which one you maybe could use and, and all that, because it is true. Because attorneys are, in fact, uh, people too, and they come with their own personalities and their own um, demeanor. So um, some attorneys are fabulous litigators and great at trials. Others basically are great at producing phenomenal legal documents. So you really have to find that right, dare I say, marriage. So it is important that you find that. So with that said, um, it, the mediated divorce versus the litigated divorce, divorce with narcissists. Do you have any gems or knowledge or anything you want to share when somebody's making that very decision good decision should i try to mediate with my narcissistic spouse or should i just go right from litigation i would love to hear your opinion on that sure so uh, mediation with a narcissist only works if you know what's really on the table mm -hmm. because as you know narcissists like to hide things and forensic accountants are almost like you know, out of the box that you're going to end up in that, you know, if you've got those kind of numbers, if you know where every account is, it can work. It's when you walk in there and they've only shown you one account and you go, okay. And then you don't even know what wasn't on the table. Right. So, you know, that's the biggest danger that I've seen in with, with that kind of thing. But I think, you know, getting yourself into that place there's other things that can be accomplished to not discredit working out the parenting details, working out the, the things that if the money can't be settled right there, don't walk away like my ex did and just go, I'm not giving her anything and walk out and, and just be a jerk, right? But to sit there and go, let's look at these other things. Let's have someone mm -hmm. here as the mediator to sit there and go, let's talk about our parenting plan. Let's get everything we can out of this part. And maybe I, you need to become a little bit more friendly because you're dealing with those issues versus the money issue. So to mm -hmm. me, that's how I see my clients is if they do not have the financial records and absolutely a hundred percent sure that there's nothing else under the rock, um, then it works quite well. If you get that mediator that knows how to, you know, finagle them so that they feel like they're getting something too, or else they're going to yeah. walk away anyway. So, 
Right. I love how you said, just don't throw all of it away. Like if you can facilitate some momentum and get something accomplished in that uh, session process, then go for it. Even if you're not able to dot the I's and cross the T's and get everything down to the fine tooth comb, as my grandmother used to say, um, you know, then, then that's okay. You know, it, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing situation. So, and then being able to take that agreement and go a little bit deeper with it, perhaps with discovery and going into to litigation. What's frustrating for me is when clients want the ba- their their cake and eat it too right they they know their spouse is not going to cooperate but they don't want to go into litigation out of fear guilt expenses there's a lot of reasons not to want to go there uh, trust me we know right we've written books on it so literally right we're sisters so um but it it's like well i get the questions like well can't we force them to blank And I always have to remind them, well, we can ask, but no, the only way you can force them to do it is if a judge orders it to be done. And they they want, they're like, darn, you know, it's like, it's either you're, you know, I I hate to use this analogy, but I love it. You're either pregnant or you're not, you know, you're either (laughs) litigating or you're not, you know, it's like, you can't be a little bit pregnant. You can't litigate a little bit, you know, once you cross that threshold into filing and entering, and you've got a docket number and you're, you know, in that world, you know, you can then mediate as a part of that, that is possible. But if, if they're really trying to keep this in a mediated model, that's not litigated, it's you're relying a lot on trust (laughs) and well that's really not a word that is possible in in this world so just remember that everybody you know this is um really important that it's a big decision because the method that you choose to divorce it it can also set yourself up for failure or success based on how contentious um your or secretive and how high conflict your spouse is. So that has a lot to do with the success of it. Um, So now I want to just transition a little bit to the repetitive pattern that people have um, or the fear they have of attracting or repeating being in a relationship that maybe didn't go so well. Um, Maybe it was in a horrendous totally horrendous experience, but it, you know, it was a little traumatic and upsetting. And now they're really afraid to jump into the water again, or the pool or the ocean or whatever body of water we're jumping into because it's scary and they don't want to make another mistake. Um, Dara, it doesn't even have to end in divorce, right? You could just end in heartbreak or financial loss. And so that is the question I have is that these, these people probably us included and that had that sense of like, oh no. And with me, it's also, it's mostly working now with clients that have that because I vicariously a little bit live through that of helping them get the tools and the knowledge and the skills and the communication and the boundaries and all those things they need to know, ooh, this relationship reminds me a teeny tiny bit of whatever. Um, Is it really just a matter of being, having a magnifying glass and examining it? Or 
how do you help people not be afraid to jump back into the dating world and um, realize that, you know, relationships are not all bad? Right, right. So the most important thing is, is time. You know, a narcissist is going to rush you. A patient, you know, loving, kind, integritous person is not going to rush you. So, you know, whatever happens, I'd like to hear and, and have my clients know that waiting a year is not the worst thing. Get your feet under you. Looking at your wounds. I was gobbled up after my divorce by it somebody friends introduced me to right he was even worse he was 10 times worse but I didn't know what I had dealt with during the divorce so I didn't know what this was I just was repeating it in a different flavor right and so um if we look at our own wounds and go okay maybe I'm codependent maybe I'm a people pleaser maybe I have absolutely no boundaries you know if you can say I don't know how I'll trust again you're not ready to go out and date again. If you are not like more resilient to the hurt and the disappointment of putting yourself out there and getting rejected, or, you know, those things are going to be compounded a hundred times more if you go out there too soon, because you've just had this, you know, divorce and you feel this rejection and you go out and you try it again, boom, you're rejected. It's going to bring back all of the other things. Like it's going to be a cascade on you. So you have to be able to tolerate rejection. Even if you've never met this person, you're texting for a month and then poof, they disappear. You're like, what happened? What's wrong with me? Right. If you have to be self-confident, you have to be self-aware and you have to have very strong sea legs, right? It's, it's, understanding your accountability people are like victim blaming i'm like no we all had a reason we stayed it's fine that you stayed because they were the ones who made the money and you had kids i mean you have reasons and that's okay but were there other vulnerabilities for me i didn't realize my entire family was narcissistic which made me really good narc bait right i didn't know what ghosting was i didn't know what flying monkeys were all the terms and the names i didn't know that was just my family right yeah. i was like what i had to heal those i had to look at abandonment wounds because i did go on a couple of dates after my divorce and the first guy who was then a mutual friend's friend, right? He was like, okay, I don't think this is working out. And I was destroyed. I had this huge abandonment wound. And I was like, no, you can't. We have to be friends. We have to be friends. I was a basket case. How sad I must have looked, right? Mm -hmm. But it's knowing your wounds. If you don't even know that I'm afraid of being left or these are my fears, <clears throat> you haven't done the work to really move to the next level. Mm. I am so glad you brought up the fact that it isn't just spouses, right? So, right. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're obviously focusing on divorce because we both wrote a book about divorce, but uh, yeah, uh, let's just brush that off to the side for a moment because those patterns really do become ingrained in us as younger people where we, uh, we are used to what we grew up with. And, and if you start to see that triangulation and gaslighting, or, you know, I know Tracy and I could run down, you know, the 36 common terms that Dr. Romani uses, but, um, but it does, it doesn't matter exactly, you know, which ones you've experienced and which ones you haven't, even if you've experienced few of them, if that's what you're used to, then you see it in other people and you go, Oh, that's normal. And if you're seven or 12 or 15 or 30, you know, whatever the age or even 57, you know, you go, Oh, that must be normal. And then you start to realize, no, 
it's not. So if it isn't a spouse and it's another boss, a neighbor, a, a sister, a friend, a, a co-worker or somebody else in your life, it's a little bit mm, easier in the sense that you're not living in the same house with them, maybe. Uh, but there are still boundaries and other things you need to do. But um, I'm so glad you brought that up. It doesn't just have to be a spouse. There are other people in your life that you may need to recover from, um, from having that control and that abuse too. So if you're, if you're single and you've never been married and you still have had some experiences like this, um, you know, join the club. It's okay. We, we get it too. And don't feel like you, you know, only, only have this experience if it's in a romantic relationship. So, and um, I don't know the statistics exactly, but not all narcissists are men, you know, or women. It's, it's, you know, it, it's all different shapes and sizes and colors and creeds. And, you know, it's um, like divorce. It affects everyone, whether you're young or old, tall or short, you know, green or purple. Divorce doesn't care. And I'm like, oh, sorry, only these kind of people get divorced. It's like, no, it cuts across everything. The, you know, it truly does. And it affects every aspect of your life. So it is really important that you that you have that um, awareness. So um, when it is people that aren't in a marriage, but it is a family member or a coworker or somebody else in their life, do you find that there's more or less guilt Um more if it's family or is it kind of the same same feelings it's, it's usually an inbred guilt you know they were guilted and shamed as a child so it's so common for them it's just like breathing and so you know to learn how to deal with that and, and really for me triggers you know if you don't understand triggers why did what they just did trigger me because we go back to that dating thing yeah. and if you haven't learned to identify the why behind your triggers when they come on to you like that first dating person is going to do something like your ex did mm -hmm. and you're going to go right down you're just going to fall down like your knees have been knocked out from under you you're not even going to know why yeah. so going this is, oh, I've got to heal the triggers or recognize them or have control over them. Because if I don't, any little, it's, it's like, it's like a little, you know, dot of sand, it's gonna, it's gonna make the whole castle fall down. And so we have to learn how to regulate ourselves again, whether it's a marriage or a relationship, or it's your siblings, again, your family of origin created the patterns that got you hooked with a narcissist in the first place. Mm -hmm. and, and again, not everybody, I'd say like 80% of my clients have some kind of tie to their childhood, right? Yeah. Again, knowing there's different flavors of narcissists, you know, right. for me, having a covert person and then a different flavor covert, like it just was like, oh, this one was very generous and very this. And, uh, you know, and this one is shy, quiet, sensitive. He cries. I didn't know crying was in a manipulation. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, knowing these things are not a sign of integrity or sensitivity that he's crying, but take it with one you know, dosage go, that's a, a piece of data, but yeah. let's see if the other sensitive things show up or is it, you know, am I being fooled because the other one was the devil spawn and you're going, oh, this one doesn't do that. Know all the flavors of people that could abuse you if you go back out there. Yes. You clearly explain the uh, different styles, types, and masks that they wear. And that is very helpful too, because Tracy's so correct. There isn't one type 
It is um, a gradient of the most grandiose, flamboyant, you know, look at me, look at me, all the way to the more cunning, secretive, uh, manipulative type of, of behavior. So, you know, study and read and learn and realize you're not alone. We, we understand. Um, and I know it's a little bit of a catchphrase now. So again, I'm not a psychiatrist, a psychologist. I do not diagnose people um, but I know that after uh, reading your book and working working through uh, scenario after scenario, as soon as you start to see these little behaviors and you're like, oh, this again, this again, the silent treatment and the hoovering and the gaslighting and the stonewalling and the contempt. And should I keep going? No, probably not. But, uh, you know, uh, and you see those, those are the patterns, right? That I started to see when we, before we started um, taping, I started to say, you know, people were reaching out to me and sharing their stories with me. And I was taking notes of like, Ooh, and I started to see patterns and overlaps and, and a lot. And it's like, wow, this is not just the oddball, but it's, it's more the norm. So divorcing your, divorcing your narcissist, you can't make this shit up. No, you can't. Uh, the covert tricks, they pull the strategies to become a survivor. And I love on the back, it says, if you are aware, you can prepare. If you knew the rules of the game up front, understood what tricks to expect and prepare for so key learn to communicate during divorce how do you do that i always say what to say what not to say uh and could protect your future with a protective clause and access the tips of experts to better navigate the process amen i'm so proud of you for this took a lot of work um i understand um having being an author myself and also coaching people and holding them by the hand giving them a hug virtually and figuratively and literally um everybody needs to know that they're okay that they're safe they're loved they're well um and heal because you do deserve to feel um, authentic and real and live your best life. And it's really hard to do that when you're in the shadows of, of this sort of control and manipulation. So um, thank you, my dear. Thank you for your time and your expertise. I honor your work and your time um, and your story. I understand um, more than you know. So uh, how can people learn more about Tracy Malone and work with you? And just, I dare I say, stalk you. But, you know, follow you, right? We, we have to laugh about that, right? So um, what, what what can they do and how? what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, so they can go to my website, NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. You'll find my link to my podcast, to my YouTube, to my social media, to my Facebook group. I'm everywhere. And um, <laughs> I just, I love making memes. So Pinterest and Instagram are my babies. But, um, you know, it's it's getting out there. You'll find stuff to look at my resources when they're on the website. I have just, you know, if you, you don't know what your parenting guidelines are for the state, I've gathered them for all the states and show you how to get them. And here, click here, you'll find your state, how to find a support group in your town. You know, I just kept every time someone else on my screen goes, oh, don't forget to change your living will, you know, I'm like, here's a link to get that change, you know, just know that there's things that you can find on the website that are going to help you no matter who you're with on the journey. So that's how they would find me. Thank you. Wonderful. We all need resources and education and, and, uh, you know, real solid 
information because when you're going through that, it makes you feel like everything is just muddy. And as soon as you can hear it and feel it and read it and see it and understand it, somehow it loses its power. It dissipates a little bit and it it doesn't feel quite as um, dark and, and heavy. So uh, thank you again for being that resource in this world. Uh, thank you again, Tracy. And no matter what, everybody, whether it's divorce or family or if you're in a if you're in a situation and it, it does feel like chaos, you got to keep thriving. It's um it's your it's your responsibility. You got this. So keep thriving, everyone. Until next time. We'll see you later. Think you may be the next guest on the Thriving in Chaos Project podcast? Reach out to Paulette. Email her at paulette at betterdivorceacademy.com. And no matter what, keep thriving in the chaos. <laughs>